Hi, and welcome to Ways to Takes episode 102, the 102 by the 1975 episode, which is a song, <clears throat> which is the first thing that came up when I Googled the number 102. I'm Trey, joined as always by Tucker, Cam, and Dylan. How are we doing, gentlemen? Living the dream. It's going to be a low-energy podcast tonight. Cam's feeling down. I'm feeling a little down. Uh, Not me. Tucker's, Tucker's keeping the energy up. Dylan's feeling spry. Uh, so it's going to be it's going to be a mixed bag here. We'll see how it goes. Let's get right into it before Cam does actually fall asleep. Wouldn't be the first time it happened on this podcast that somebody falls asleep. Uh, winners and losers. I didn't have anything written down. I thought of one today and it's gone from my brain. Um, uh, Trey, you're a winner. I'm a winner. Oh, the, bu- the Bills. Buffalo Bills. Bills. They lost. Bills have not won a game. Yep. So I'm technically I'm winning. I'm not a winner. I'm winning. Um. What was Redskins. the uh, oh. the Redskins? That's the one I thought of, Tucker. That's a loser. Or no, for me. Dylan. 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 Yeah, that's a tough one. Redskins got their their road got a lot harder. Um, yeah, that's all I got so far. Um, but who needs it? You know, we're all winners here. We're we're bucking it up for the podcast. In terms of our poll, we got a tie between me and Cam for Damn. waste to take of the week, and a tie for Tucker and Dylan for loser. Um, so let's start with the winner, Cam. Call it as as you wish. Uh huh. Sure. What do you want? I don't. I don't want you to do it. All right, Tucker. You got a coin on you. Um. Let's see. Dylan? I have a AirPod. Hey. All right. We're gonna play. You right or left. Right or left. Right or left. Pick an AirPod. I got it in my right. hand. Right. It is right. Oh. It's the right one. It is right. So Cam gets the point. That is correct. I think this is how we have to do it from now on. I did not vote on the poll, so I'm, I'm a loser. So <laughs> There's no way for anyone to cheat. No one's got to like hold it. I'm just holding one AirPod in my hand. There's no way to cheat the system on it. All right, fine. Put it in the uh, Tucker. Put it in the Tucker, since you're in, uh, I got one in my hand. Since you're in last place for loser, you call it. If you get it right, you're out. If you did, don't get it right, you lose. I love it. It's left, obviously. It is left. Damn it. <laughs> Dylan is the loser. I like this. I like this precedent that was just set. I think this is the go-to now. Um, new segment, right or left. Right or left. Welcome to the new segment. All it's right. 15 minutes of us guessing right or left while the podcast listeners just <laughs> Cam moves. Play along. Cam moves to 11. Uh, Dylan, you're still sitting at 14. I'm at 16, and Tucker could only muster three points this season. <laughs> after uh, I a, think I've lost about six or seven. A great season last year, kind of came back to earth. But all right. Yeah, had my. Uh, I don't even know what athlete was this bad after Lamar Jackson year, Pat Mahomes year, uh, Carson Wentz year. Yeah, that is my Carson Wentz year. But now, <laughs> next year, I'm going to get traded to the Colts, and I'm going to win another MVP. Let's hope. Um, all right, let's jump right into Wasted Takes. I've got one for you. Came up with it today because I read some high NFL executive said about Kenny Pickett, said he's Johnny Football, but good. He's got a good head on his shoulders. He's got all the physical traits. He's going to be special. 
So all of a sudden, we have gone from having zero quarterback talent in this class to a great, great quarterback. And this has happened because <laughs> teams want teams want other teams to take um, quarterbacks in the first round this year. They know none of these guys are going to pan out. They know that they're just wasting a draft pick on a guy who's going to be a middler at best. Um, so... My take is that I think Kenny Pickett is going to be a top five pick this year. I think if you look at the NFL, there is one constant and that there are so many dumb teams in the league. You look at teams like Jacksonville. You take a look at teams like Houston. You know, these teams that are going to be at the lower end of the draft. You look at teams like the Jets. Obviously, the Jets and uh, Jacksonville don't need a quarterback right now, but. You look at these teams that are just constantly bad and have little blips of success and then go back to being in the dregs of the league, the Lions, teams like that. Um, they're going to take a gamble on this kid, Kenny Pickett, in a top five pick, and it's not going to work out for them. But, Cam, you alerted me to Kenny Pickett first, so shout out to you. Obviously, he was a Heisman finalist, didn't end up taking it home. But um, he is now being talked about like he's an elite talent, and I think that is a Job well done from teams who don't need a quarterback that are forcing these other teams to take one. Kenny Pickett will be a top five pick, and he will not pan out in the NFL. That's the take. Okay. Is not being out as part of the take? What was that? Him not panning out as part of the take? It wasn't. No, it wasn't going to be, but I can throw it in there for you if you want it to be. I'd like you to throw it in because I had a take about Kenny Pickett that he was the future of the NFL. Um, that kind of, I guess it doesn't imply the top five pick, but it's a little soft for, for my liking. Um, all right, it's uh, thrown in. It's thrown in. He will not pan out. All right. I like half of it then. I don't think it's totally out of the question. One, if someone moves up to get him or two, if just one of the top five picks ends up, you know, dumping their quarterback who they have and, and taking him. So I think that part's true. I love him. I think he's going to be good. Um, I don't see the Johnny Manziel thing. I, I've never seen him compared to, like, just making plays, moving around. Great. I, I don't get that. I saw the fake juke. It changed the rule. Um, I think that's funny. But take away, take advantage of the, of the rules if they're not there. Um, but yeah, I think, I think he's going to be good. And top five pick, probably. I, I don't know where the comparison comes from either, Cam. I think it's, frankly, BS. I think it's teams trying to inflate his value because I don't think any of these quarterbacks are first-round talent. Uh, Dill, what do you think? Um, I think you're right. I think he's going to get picked early, and I think it's because um, everybody's got to have a quarterback. He's probably the best in the draft by far. So he's going to go up high just because it's a quarterback, in my opinion. Um, as for him not panning out, uh, I like the take because we, we see a lot of this, uh, a lot of quarterbacks not panning out. It's just kind of – it's not a flip of a coin. It's like a flip of a dice and it has to land on a one. So odds are in your favor for that. So I'm going to go agree. The also, he wears glo two gloves. I said this last week. Wears two gloves. Can't do it. Absolutely cannot. Not a big two-glove guy. No. I hate it. I hate it. I think it's the softest thing in the world. Uh, Tucker, what do you think? Uh, strongly disagree on all ends. Number one, don't think he's going to be a top five pick. I'm looking at what the project top five are. He's not going to the Lions. They owe 
Jared Goff way too much money to sign a quarterback right now. For a team that needs 50 things to sign a quarterback right now would be stupid. Number two, Jaguars don't need a quarterback. Texans, Davis Mills? No, Tucker. Not bad. No. Not bad. Knock it off. He's not bad. No, no, no. I'm dead serious. You know he broke the record this week? Did he? Most consecutive completions for a Texans quarterback in history? I did not know that. Huh. He's huh. not the guy. I think I think he's the second best quarterback in the class right now. He's not the guy. He's number two in the class. I need you to admit that. I won't. Well, you're wrong. Congratulations. Um, number fourth pick is the Jets. They got Zach Wilson. They're not giving up. Giants. Daniel Jones. Done. Gone. See ya. Six is the. Giants again. They're going to just take offensive linemen because they need them. Jets at seven. And then the Panthers are the first spot he could fall to, I can see. So I am saying maybe he goes at eight. Maybe he goes at like 11, wherever the Falcons land. But I don't really see him being a top five pick. I don't see anyone wasting a top five pick on him. And I also think that he's good at football. I think he's not this like bad player. He played extremely well, Trey. And what do we say about winners, Trey? What's our thoughts on winners? I like winners. You like winners. Kenny Pickett's a winner. That's what he is. That's what he does. And you need to respect that. He hasn't really you won know, anything, though. He's won you know what? what an, ACC? won an ACC championship. Congrats. You know what, Trey? It's kind Tucker, of a big deal for Pittsburgh. Tucker just changed my mind. I'm anti for all aspects. Screw with talk 5%. Screw you, Trey. <laughs> you guys aren't remembering the key factor, which I mentioned, is that NFL teams are stupid. They're very, yeah, very, gloves. very dumb. They're very right, I'm stupid. I'm back on Trey. I <laughs> love you. it. I mean, I got, a, uh, I got a college draft take as well, if, I can, if I'm good to go. Before you start, Cam, would you take Pickett at that five spot? Obviously, give me him. Either one of them. I think we're going to trade one of them, but... If we don't get Russ in the offseason or Jimmy going to you, um, yeah, I won't take it. Give me, give me, give me. I think he's going to the Giants. The Jones is done. You heard his neck. He's out. He's done. Um, all right. Speaking of college, speaking of the drops, speaking of people going in certain places, I think Tucker's going to like this one. I think Dylan might like this one, too. Great motivation. He just hates all he does. Um, there's a guy on San Diego State right now. He's not a quarterback. He's not a top five DN. He's not a top offensive tackle. Kicker, he's not kicker, kicker, kicker. He's kind of a kicker. Hunter. He kicks. He's a, he kicks field goals, but he's not great at field goals. But he's a punter. Yes. And he is a punter. Dude has had like a 90, he had a 90 yard punt this year. He had a couple of 80s, a couple of 70s, and he just puts it. First of all, the ball goes so far. I don't know how it happens so far, but also he's accurate. He can put it where it needs to be. On top of that, the dude has like four tackles, and they're not like, oh, the defense couldn't get him, so I'm the last, last guy. No, he runs down there as soon as he punts it. He runs down there, and sometimes he's been like one of the first guys there which doesn't make any sense. His name is Matt Ariza. He's a punter for San Diego State. And there's a couple teams out there that could use a punter. Some some teams are averaging like 30, 40 yards a punt. 
and is really killing their field position. I'm going to say, like Trey said, NFL teams are stupid. Kickers have been drafted in the first round, second round. I'm going to say Matt Ariza goes in the in uh, in or before the second round in the NFL draft. Oh, that's a lock. It's a lock. Hundred percent agree. Um, so uh, you said they're stupid. I don't think this is stupid. Right, there but is, Trey's going to say. This is a stupid take because punters shouldn't go there. And I agree, punters probably shouldn't be taken in the, in the second round. But I think this guy's worth it. That's what I'm saying. There's something to be said about football. And it's that it seems like people forget that there's other aspects than just being good on offense. And having a dynamite specials team is, you know, puts you in a. It just makes your team that much better. You can have a guy that can put the ball 65 to 70 yards all the time, uh, just pinning the other team back. I mean, if you have the ability, why won't you just get that and lock it in forever? So, And plus, you got a valid serviceable backup kicker if you need one. He kicks off, and he kicks off for the San Diego State. He kicks field goals. Like I said, he's not great at field goal. He's not the most accurate, but he's their number one kicker and puncher. So you got to get a two and one there. Um, you can kick field goals when you need. And, you know, obviously the leg, the punting leg is is what you get for him. And tacks. Like this is just something that, like, crazy head, coach, head coaches just salivate over. You know, they're just, like, watching tape and they're like, I need this guy. So I'm, I'm all on board. Someone's going to take Okay. <clears throat> I don't think, Cam, this is a stupid take because I do think that NFL teams are stupid. Um, so I'm not saying this is a stupid take. I agree that NFL teams are stupid. However, Stephen A., however, um, the field goal kickers that have gone in the top two rounds are who? Uh, Janikowski and Roberto Aguayo. Right? And those are the only two I know of. There might be more. Those are the only two I know of. I looked up. So I looked up. He's going to. I was going to say he's going to be the highest punter ever taken. But there were, back in the day, there were like a bunch that were taken first round. What, in the uh, 30s? Yeah, I think in 2000, somebody was taken second round or something like that. Like, relatively recently. But anyway, um, I'm going to stick with second rounder before. I like the second rounder over the first rounder. I would. But since he's a punter. I still think he's going to go past the second round. I think punters aren't valued, which I think is stupid. I think if you have a good punter, you can totally change the game. Like the way the the Patriots handle special teams where they have dedicated, you know, special teamers that are consistent all pros at their positions, just being special teamers. And and I think that benefits them greatly because if they especially this year when you don't necessarily have a guy who can lead, you know, a long drive you know, maybe you punt on third and four, or on fourth and fourth and four, fourth and three, pin them deep and let your baller defense play. I don't think co- coaches are going to look to this guy early enough. I haven't heard about him. I heard about Aguayo, you know, when he was coming up that they're like, oh, this guy is nails. Turns out he wasn't. Um, but I, I think he, there's no way that he goes before the, the probably the fourth, third, third, maybe. But I don't I don't hate the take. I didn't know that a punter had been drafted as early as, you know, 
I, I didn't know in recent times that hunters had been drafted very high, so I, maybe I could happen. It, up. it was like 70s, 70s and 80s. It was first and second round. Um, Brian Anger was third round not too long ago. I guess it wasn't that recent, but second rounder. Give it to him. Um, I got two things to, to say about this. Um, I feel like I would bet I would I would put more money and higher draft stock in a punter than I would a kicker. Well, like kicker score. Goal. That's the thing. Like it, kickers are the are the difference between you know getting three points or not. You know, and that, that I know, but you, there's so many serviceable kickers. I don't think there are though. I just feel like I don't see a lot of tremendous punters. I think there's a lot of. I don't know. That's just me. I would yeah, argue there's more good punters than kickers. I don't think there's 32 kick- kickers out there that are consistently good. Well, I, maybe it's just that you have, I don't know. I mean, you get the ball within the 35, and everybody has somebody that can kick the ball through the uprights. Not consistently. Maybe, maybe, whatever. Maybe not. Maybe I'm just stupid. Um, the other thing is that um, just, the the need to lock, like you're saying, Trey, with the Patriots, with them being so good at special teams and needing to like lock in um, a very good, you want to have like the you want to have the best punter, best special teams. It's kind of like in baseball, um, you have like you have hitting, you have pitching, you have fielding. Um, those are kind of three big things. But things that people don't think about is like. Um, great arms base running or, or, or base running or, or, uh, what's it, what's another one, but whatever. But like you just have those in the bag, you have an outfield that has the top three arms in in your whatever league, like you're just so much better than everybody else and can take away games because of that. People like don't people like sleep on that. Jake Bailey hasn't been that good this year, so look for him to land on the pass. Could happen. Tuck, what do you think? Punter's going in the second round? Um, yeah, you know what teams often do in the NFL? Forget that there's three aspects of the game. That's what I'm saying. Offense, defense, and special teams. And you know who values special teams more than anyone in the NFL? Joe Judge. Bill fucking Belichick. Bill loves his... Special team specialist. He loves Matt Slater, Gunnar Oswalski. He loves all those guys. He's got a great kicker in Nick Folk. What's the one thing he's missing? A punter. If we took him in the second round, I wouldn't be mad. I would. I'd be upset. If, if Imagine, Trey, <laughs> imagine this, Trey. You have the ball on the 10-yard line. Oh, three down on the 10. Oh, oh wait. We punted to their 10-yard line. That, now they're pinned it back on the 15. That's a game changer. It's not like also not humanly possible. That changes the outcome of games. <laughs> I agree. It changes the outcome like, of games. Points more than I mean, just as much as a middle linebacker or defensive end can it impact a, a game. They it can impact a good punter can change a game. I mean, I can, they can go from field goal range to outside of field goal range. They can go from being able to score a touchdown or or being 15 yards short of the end zone, like it's a huge difference maker. That team might have to run five more plays to get to the end zone. I agree, Tucker, that it's extremely undervalued, but I think you can find a decent punter in the in the fifth round. I'm not looking round. for decent. 
That's what we look at. We're saying we can look for a decent quarterback in the fifth round. We don't, okay? We, we I'm not say. looking for a decent quarterback. All right, all right. I guess I'm losing right. this debate. I was, I was gonna say one. I guess I was, we were gonna be in that Arise podcast, but Trey's got to, Trey's got to hate on everyone. Um, and then two, I think a second round putter might be more valuable than a first round running back. I don't hate that take at all. <laughs> I don't hate that. At I all just either. think the league isn't in the position where you have to be looking for a punter at two because everybody else isn't looking for a punter at two. When they zig, we zag. All right, fair enough. Fair enough. Uh, good, good take, Cam. Spirited debate. Who's next? I'll go. Um, we're switching to NFL. We're going to talk Mac Jones real quick and Tom Brady. Um, but something we haven't touched on before, I'm talking money between the two. Um, Tom Brady, his last 10 seasons with the Patriots, um, averaged a salary of $16.1 million a year. Um, the stretch was, was, the difference was 23 in his last year. And in like 2013, it was 12 million. So 23 million and 12 million um, for an average of 16.1. Mac Jones is going to sign with the Patriots with a salary above 16.1 with whatever he takes in, what is it, 2023? That's the take. Okay, yeah. Um, so here's – I've actually done a lot of thinking about this still. I um, am really worried about four years from now because – when Mac Jones finishes his rookie deal, the cap is set to expand greatly. And there's going to be quarterback contracts that make Mahomes not look like he's, you know, head and shoulders about everyone. They're going to start to even up with him. And say Mac Jones goes out. I mean, God, not God forbid, but I mean, if he goes out and wins a bowl or, you know, wins a bowl and, you know, makes it to another, he's going to be commanding big money. Um, if he goes out and plays, you know, middling quarterback, Kirk Cousins style ball, he's still going to be making somewhere around 35, I think, a year based on the cap expectations. I don't think Bill's going to do that. And I'm really worried that if Bill's still around when that happens, then we're going to see kind of a collegiate model of you get a guy for four years, you move on to the next guy for four years. So I... I, while I hope that this will happen, I think it's guaranteed that he will sign a contract over that over that number somewhere. I don't know if it'll be in New England. I, you know, if he continues to play the way he does, I hope he does. If he sucks, you know, next year and the years after that, then let him walk and he'll sign. He'll sign for nothing somewhere. Um, but I think that this is a guarantee, and uh, my fear is that Belichick won't do it. Um, he has always said, you know. We didn't spend as much. They were like 15th in league spending on the last CBA. Um, their their excuse was, well, we were paying the quarterback. We can't pay everybody. We have to pay the quarterback. He hates paying quarterbacks. He thinks that every position is equal. He does not see any position above another. He hates quarterbacks. It's a known thing. And uh, I don't think he'll want to pay that if he's still around. Now, McDaniels, on the other hand, if he becomes the next head coach, I think he will pay. But I think it's a guarantee. Uh, Tuck, what do you think? Um. I don't know. Uh, 
I really don't know. I mean, I'm a big fan of not overpaying, but I'm also don't want to go through rebuilds every few years. I think with a quarterback, you got to pay them their money. I think it's something that even Bill Belichick understands. Like, look, there's some positions you just don't mess around with and hope. And I think the Cam Newton situation kind of made him understand that better. It's just like, you know what? Like, you can do a lot with whatever, but if you don't have a quarterback, you're screwed. So I think that it's going to be a position where he understands, like, look, I can mess around with money here, there, and the other place, but when it comes to quarterback, you pay the guy. When you got a guy, you pay the guy. I hope so, Tucker, but his ego is is so high that I, I don't know if it's true. But do you think Mac will make more than $16 mil a year on his next contract? I don't think any QB in the NFL on a second contract that starts will make $16 million a year. So, yes. Yeah. Okay. I mean, I just don't think there will be any starting quarterback not on a rookie contract in four years when the cap's up. That'll be making only $16 million. No, I agree. Based on the way the cap works, I think this is a lock. Uh, Cam, what do you think? <clears throat> So I think it's just going to be a matter of whether Mac wants to play the Brady and put money aside for winning or if he's like, nah, I want to get paid and build the team around me or I'm out. So I don't really know which way it's going to go. I would say he's probably going to end up getting paid and stay. Um, and then Bill's just going to have to find a way to make it work or leave. So I think um, based on what I've seen of him, that if they are winning the way they've been winning this year with him, you know, obviously you want him to progress a little bit, but say he's, you know, consistently throwing for about 300 yards, one or two a game, like nothing crazy, not not winning MVPs or anything, which I think is more likely than not. I think he will have that mentality. I think he'll he'll recognize, hey, I'm in the right place to win and, you know, make good money and become something in this league than go risk it somewhere else for a big payday. Um but this is a legit debate, Dill, that they're having on, on sports radio in Boston. They're already talking about four years down the line what his contract's going to look like. So um, I just want to add something in. My whole take on like he'll make more than $16 million does not have anything to do with Mac not buying into the Patriot way. I fully think well, you can tell by the way he talks. Like just like even how he talks to reporters is just so Patriots. I believe that's. He has bought in. I think he'll stay a Patriot. I just, I think sixteen million won't be that number. I, I think he could make like twenty five. I don't think he'll be a super max guy making forty five plus. But I don't think he'll be below sixteen because I just think that number in four years will be like preposterously small. For I him. I agree, Tucker. I think you can have it. But I think you can have it both ways where he's making more than sixteen and he's still on a team discount just based on the way the cap works. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking too. But you look at um, <clears throat> the top quarterbacks paid: um, Brady and Derek Carr tied 14th with 25 million, and then the drop goes to Ben Roethlisberger at 14, and then Taysom Hill at 10. Which is preposterous. <laughs> Taysom, Taysom Hill, Andy Dalton, and Fitzpatrick are at 10. So there's that there's there's that kind of range between 10. And 25 mil, and then it just goes up there like crazy. Um, 
But you're talking about Pat Mahomes, Josh Allen, Dak Prescott, Russell Wilson. Justin Rogers Herbert's Paul. about to get paid in two years. He's going to make yeah, that. Yeah, that's my point Wentz. is that there's like, five or six guys on that list that are about to get a huge payday in the next couple of years. They're just on, like, there's just a lot of good guys on rookie contracts right the now. The cap is also going to explode. It's going to get a yeah. lot bigger. So, all right, uh, talk, waste to take. Oh, yeah. I've been looking forward to this waste of take. Uh, this actually started watching the Bengals last week, the Dolphins the week before, and just kind of the NFL last year. And it's looking more deeply into the connections between young quarterbacks and wide receivers they've worked with before. I see it a lot with Jalen Waddell and uh, Tua and Tua's development this year. You see it a ton with Jamar Chase and um, Joe Burrow. And I think it's going to become a trend to sign running backs or wide receivers with their quarterbacks out of college. I think maybe this year a pit, pit wide receiver might go in the late grounds to whoever signs them. I think, but I think in the future signing that wide receiver or running back that played with the guy in college will be a trend just because it really gives you have that chemistry already built in and it, i think it develops a certain level of comfort when they have a guy they know on their team especially as a young quarterback i i like this take tuck i think there's evidence in the league that it's you know there's something to it i don't know if it's worth you know maybe passing up on a more talented guy to to get that connection because you can if you're a rookie coming into the league you build those connections um, but I don't think it's, it's, you know, it's wrong necessarily. I, I think there is something to it just based on the Burrow Jamar thing where everybody was like, what are you doing? You need a lineman. And this guy's a bust in, in, you know, in the free season too. Now he's, you know, arguably should be the rookie of the year. <clears throat> but, um, I mean, I know from my perspective, like playing with Cam, like, I found it easier to play with Cam. I only really played one year as his receiver, but I picked it up pretty quickly, I think, just because we had that that friendship. Um, and it's important to have that chemistry between a wide receiver and their quarterback. I mean, you look at some of the duos. I, there was a thing about Brady and Moss, how Moss had come to Brady the year before he was traded to the Patriots and said, hey, man, I want to play with you. Like, and, and they had that relationship, and that ended up working out um, to where you know they were – breaking records i think you get these guys that form these relationships and it does help and why not take it back another three years of a, of a form relationship so yeah tucker i agree i think this will be a trend i think i think you know nfl teams are always looking at any way to get ahead and this could be the new way uh cam what do you think sorry my mute button sucks um yeah i agree with this too i think it's going to become more more of a thing I can't think of anybody specifically that it'll happen with this year. I don't know any receivers on pit that are going to the draft or, but yeah, I mean, if whoever gets picket, you know, maybe sixth, seventh round, they're like, Oh, that's your, that's your receiver. What do you think? Obviously he's going to give him high praise and maybe they just give him a shot later in, in the draft. I could see that happening just because, um, and yeah, with, with all the, but like when here. Bryce Love comes to the NFL, I could see them giving one of his wide receivers. Bryce Young. Bryce Love. Bryce um, Young. Is 
Bryce Young. Yeah, Bryce, Bryce Young. Yeah. Stanford running back last year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, I, I can see the same thing with CJ Stroud, Bryce Young. Um, they're always going to have good receivers, so I can definitely see it becoming a thing. Uh, and it definitely proved proved to work at least this year. Um, also, shout out to Oscar saying Bryce Young is going to win the Heisman. Winners. I think there is something to it, though, Tuck, that if these guys are playing at these high-level schools like LSU and Alabama, I mean, they're already really talented. So maybe it's a little overrated. I don't know. But, Dale, what do you think? I don't know if it's going to be a trend, um, but it's one of those things where if it's a 50-50 toss-up between we like this guy and we like this other guy, you go talk to your quarterback. You say, hey, would you would you like to have your you know former teammate on the team that you can connect with? And it's really it's really only a quarterback receiver scenario. It's not like you're going to see uh, you know a lineman and a and a running back. You know um, that like. I just feel like you need to, it needs to be a certain situation for it to even come up. But there is reason to believe that um, maybe an NFL team, because they, they, they love to just look at the numbers, look at the stats, look at how strong this guy is, look at his 40 time. And there's reason to believe that, like, there are other aspects of a player. And if, you know, connection is one of those things that can make someone make a duo way better. So um, you are taking a gamble on it if you do. But you just got to ask the, the guy that's already on your roster if it really means anything. And in this case, I think it did, and it's, it's proving it. Um, but, like, a whole bunch of cards have to align for it to, like, make sense to actually um, draft a guy because of it. So I don't think it's going to be a trend because I don't see it happening all the time. So like the, the availability of it. I think that the whole, like, looking into uh, people's, like, athleticism, raw talent instead of their stats is becoming super overrated in the NFL. Yes. Yeah. Just because, I mean, you look at guys that just like, oh, wow, they put up great numbers in college. But, you know, they just didn't – they couldn't throw the ball 80 yards or they couldn't run a 4-4 on top of being it. Like, Mac Jones is the perfect example of – he lost draft stock purely because they're like, well, he can't throw the ball as hard as the other guy. Like, this is a middle school gym class. This is like, there's so much more to being a quarterback than running the fastest or throwing the farthest. Like, it's, and I think it's the same with other positions that people are underestimating. Like, raw athleticism is great, with, but also, you know who had tons of raw athleticism? John Ross ran the fastest 40 of all time. Absolutely carry. nothing in the too NFL. Too fast, too fast. Too fast, just like Henry Ruggs. Um, and there's guys like Cooper Cup who aren't particularly fast in any ways, but they have great instincts to finding the open spot in the field, have great connections with their quarterback, and they find ways to get open. I just think that these raw athleticism stats just often are vastly overrated, and Trey, I hate to help you with this one, but that's why Nikhil Harry got drafted where he was because he was stronger than any other receiver. He was just so strong 
and powerful. Uh, he got drafted way up there, even though he was an Arizona State wide receiver that put up good stats, but like nothing incredible, nothing number one wide receiver in the draft wise. DK Metcalf was on the board. Yeah, and I mean, I, it's just there's things that people just vastly overrate, and DK Metcalf couldn't turn according to the NFL. It's like, it, well, he was doing fine in college without turning, so clearly he's not. He's fine. And it's different from other sports, right? Because if you you can sign some some moose out of wherever the heck to a baseball contract, but the expectate the expectation isn't that they're gonna you know start the next season and be a top tier player. You know they go through so much development to yeah, to exactly. understand the game and get smarter about the game to the point where now their smarts line up with their abilities and they can perform real well. In football, it's like, you just take the guys that are the smartest players that have talent. Maybe they're not the strongest guys in the league. Maybe you need a few of them here and there. But you take really, really smart football players and put them out there, and they're going to be able to uh, best the other team's intelligence about yeah. how to play the game, whereas run faster than them. And it and doesn't matter if you can run a billion miles an hour you have to be able to make the smart play at the right time, know when to hold back and, and, and push forward, you know, all those things, right? So, you know, just take take the smart players. And, I mean, the same thing happened to Devontae Smith this year where people were saying, like, don't sign Devontae Smith. He's not big enough. And it's like, oh, wait, no, he's still, like, he did win a Heisman. He's super good at football. Oh, huh. I guess he could work out in the NFL. All right, um, let's move on to some topics here. Um, Monday Night Football, big showdown last night uh, for the NFC West between the Cardinals and the Rams. The Rams pull it out. Um, I think this game had a little bit of a fraud taste to it, kind of a fraud bowl, because the Rams have been skidding. The Cardinals, sure, they have the best record, but nobody's really taking them very seriously. Um, nobody's picking them to win, win the Super Bowl. I haven't seen anyone picking them to go to the Super Bowl as the number one seed in the NFC. Um, obviously, they lose here, so that doesn't look good for them. Um, I guess my biggest takeaway was any, any you know, there was some Coach of the Year talk for Click Kingsbury before this game, and I think that's gone now. Um, the way he handled the end of the game, I just, I just don't think that, necessarily that means coach of the year but you know they're still a vast improved team so who knows and uh the nfl hates giving bill belichick that award he's only won it like twice or three times um so i don't know i mean i think this this is an interesting division i think these are both two really good teams i think the, the cardinals are a little overrated and i think the rams you know they're kind of on uneven ground I think the Odell signing is looking. The, the Odell trade is starting to look better and better. I mean, it would be if if the Patriots and the Rams met in the Super Bowl, you'd have two different philosophies because you have the people who want to, you know, draft right and get the low bargain guys and blah blah blah. Maybe not so much this year, but um, <clears throat> but um, the Rams are like trade all our draft picks right now. We want every good guy in the league. So it's it. I don't know. They're an interesting team that way. And obviously they're good. I just don't know how good. But, Tuck, what do you think about uh, Monday Night Football? Um, I don't think this is a fraud bowl at all. I think this is two really good teams playing against each other. Maybe and, not fraud, uh, but contender bowl. Like, who is a real contender of these two teams? 
Yeah, I, I think they're both still contenders, honestly. I think, I mean, both these teams have beaten the other one at home. So I think they've proven that both these teams could beat the other one on their on a great day. And I think either of these teams could beat any team in the NFL. You know, I think either of these teams could beat the Packers or the Bucks if they catch them. Um, but, yeah, no, this game, I mean, it was Aaron Donald's a baller. That was something that we realized uh, pretty quickly into this game. Uh, he had three sacks back up for the De- deploy award. Uh, and then, yeah, I mean, the Rams have been skidding, so I kind of almost took them out of the conversation. I think the only thing this game did was prove that the Rams are still legit. Uh, they skidded for a while. It seems like Odell's starting to click with the offense which could be huge for this team. So, uh, yeah, I think this team's both these teams are still competitors. Uh, DeAndre Hopkins was out at the end of the game, which kind of sucks for the uh, Cardinals. But, you know, I still like both these teams. I think Cliff Kingsbury is actually doing a decent job, which is something I didn't think I'd say because I'm not a Cliff Kingsbury guy. But, uh, yeah, I, I think both these teams could be – coming out of the NFC. Cam, what did you think of the game last night? Um, I, I caught bits and pieces of it. I didn't watch the whole thing. But I told you guys <clears throat> before the game that I didn't think the Car- Cardinals were contenders. I don't see Kyler Murray as a, as a Super Bowl quarterback. I don't see Cliff Kingsbury as a Super Bowl coach. I really don't either, Cam. Uh, I, I don't see them, them making it. There's, their defense isn't prominent enough. I mean, Chandler Jones is a beast, um, but there's not a lot of other superstar playmakers out there. And then offensively, Hop, obviously he was out for a while, but he's you know he's dropping passes. That's not something he does. I was watching them on. The, they showed a bunch of sideline stuff from the Cardinals. Everyone's throwing their helmet all over the place all game. Multiple different people. So I just I don't think that I think they're talented. Very talented, very young, athletic, but they're not put together enough to win a Super Bowl. Rams, I think they are. Sean McVay has been to a Super Bowl. Got a better quarterback now. Odell is healthy. Cooper Cup is a beast, and their defense is elite. I think the Rams are just as capable as any team to make it. Uh, Dell, what do you think? Um, I for some reason I really felt I really had the Cardinals in this one, but um. Even after watching just a few minutes of the game early, um, they didn't have they didn't they didn't have it, you know, and and they were at home. I was expecting something greater uh, from them at home. What's more telling about this whole game, though, is that in the first meeting between the two teams, um, Arizona uh, ran the ball like uh, it was like over two hundred yards. They just steamrolled them. Um, is that a lot of yards? I feel like that's pretty what decent was it? Of yards. I'm sorry, I didn't hear the stat. What was it? Like over 200 on, like on the ground. 200. Yeah, yeah, that's that's. I mean, that's a good game. It's not a crazy okay. good game, but it's a good game. But they, that's what I w- was hearing on the broadcast. Um, and the Rams shut it down, and then the Cardinals just they just didn't have anything um, else to. They, they, you know, like Kyler does well when he gets outside of the pocket, um, but the Rams were only let him get outside the pocket and make 
you know, deep ball throws or some crazy run or whatnot. Only a handful of times they really just understood what they had to do to um, subdue the Cardinals' offense. And um, and like you guys said, you know, the teams in general between the two of them, uh, the Rams are just more put together. Um, and I've said it before, I'll say it again, uh, Stafford likes the <coughs> underdog, underdog uh, situation. And this is an underdog game by record uh, going in against another team at their home field. And uh, he played well. The team played great. Uh, they, they have to. I feel like they have to keep that mentality. Um, and as long as they're not, like, first in the division, I think they can hold on to it. I think they're going to ride it into the playoffs and and still feel that way. So I'm, I'm liking the Rams. All right. Uh, moving from a team on the rise to maybe a team on the fall. Tucker mentioned it earlier. Uh, I talked about it last week. The Bills lose to the Bucks in devastating fashion. <clears throat> Brady moves to like 37-3, and three, I don't even know, against the Bills all time. Um, wins on an overtime touchdown pass. Um, but my takeaway from this game is that the Bills are still a good team. Like, they're not they're not a bad team. And they're going to put up a fight the rest of the way. Um, I really don't have too much confidence in, in my take that they're going to lose out. Could happen, though. Obviously, it's two soul-crushing losses in a row. You lose one because the weather, and then you lose one because... You're playing the greatest of all time, and you hung in there as long as you could, and you lost a coin toss. Or no, they did win the coin toss. Never mind. Um, but I just think I think the Bills are still going to make the playoffs. I think they're going to have a tough time, though. I don't know how they're going to do against the Patriots. They haven't seen the past game of the Patriots. I think that'll add a new factor to that. But I still think they're a good team, and I think Josh Allen is a good quarterback. I think he's – I don't know what's going wrong there, but I don't think Josh Allen is the problem. Talk. Um. Yeah, I mean, this game was bad for the Bills. I, I can't beat around the bush, but it could have been worse if they didn't show so much fight at the end because this felt like a team that kind of gave up in the first half. Good for them for coming back. I mean, this was a game that I was supposed to be rooting for the Bucks, like, but when the Bills were coming back, I was kind of like struggling to not be rooting for the Bills here. I told you this I the mean, other night, Tucker. I was on the same page with you. I was rooting hard for the for the Bucks, and then I was like, I don't want Tom Brady to win this game. <laughs> yeah, no, it was just one of those moments where like I was rooting for him, I was rooting for him until I until they started scoring, and I was like, okay, I'm back in. But um, yeah, I just. This game was bad, don't get me wrong. I mean, they've come down to almost out of the playoffs. Like, the only reason they're in the playoffs right now is because of a tiebreaker. Uh, but oh, but I still think that they make it just because they have – I know they have a couple of easy games on their schedule. I think they get to play the Jets again. Um, obviously, they have to play the Patriots. But outside of that, I think they have, like, the Jets, the Falcons in another game. Panthers, Patriots, Falcons, yeah. Jets. Yeah, exactly. They have the Panthers, Panthers, Falcons, and Jets left on their schedule. So I think they have some wins there. Uh, I'd say they win at least two or three. And I think uh, that only gets them to nine and eight, I guess, which is borderline. But, um, yeah, I mean, it wasn't a catastrophe of a game. It was a game against the Bucks, who were – what the Super Bowl favorites right now, and they lost in overtime. Worst ways to lose. Um, so, yes, 
bad, but good for them for fighting. I think they still make the playoffs. Cam, are the Bills dead? We were texting about this. Are they dead? <clears throat> dead as in they're not going anywhere. Yeah. But I think they're still going to make the playoffs. They're not going to do anything. Um, I, I enjoyed the game. I would like to come back. I didn't have a horse in the race. It doesn't matter to me. Um, that being said, the, the AFC in general, we've talked about it all year, it's just getting crazier. Uh, I think there's like eight teams, maybe nine teams right now that are like within – a game of being in. So <coughs> I really hope it stays that close. I hope the, the teams with worse records start winning. Um, I want it to be every single team has a shot because week 17 is going to be awesome to watch um, with all the playoff games. I Usually week 17 or week 18, I guess this year, there's teams that are just sitting everybody. This year, there's so much stake that I feel like everybody, every team's going to play. Like, nobody's going to be sitting out. So, I'm excited to watch it. Cam, there's 13 teams in the AFC that have a 6-7 and seven record or better. Yeah, that's insane. <laughs> Dale, the only you... teams that are out... I meant the... 9 as in, like, 9 that are within a game of each other. But I, I, I hear you. Yeah, yeah, 13 are, like, within a game of the AFC wildcard. Uh, Dale, what'd you think? Or in... Um, I did not watch this game at all. I didn't watch any of it. But um, what I will say is the Bills have the second least points allowed outside of the Patriots in the league, and they are fifth most in points scored. I I did this quickly, so it could be off by one or two, um, which. You know, being seven and six, either you got a lot of bad luck or you're you're inconsistent of a team. And if you're inconsistent as a team, I think that shows more on the coaching. Um I agree. And I think it's a it might be a coaching issue. I mean this team is good. They're they were really good last year. I wouldn't say they're playing terrible this year. I mean, look at their, their line with what I said with points for and points against. Um, but, you know, they lose to the Patriots in a, in a coaching game. They have a comeback against the Bills or against the uh, Bucks, chance to win it. Um, don't. Uh, they lose to uh, the Jaguars early in the year. They could only muster two field goals, and the Jags got three. Um, they lost to the Colts too, and the and the Texans or the Titans, sorry. Um, but they do have some easier games coming up, and I think they'll probably win. I think they'll go three and four, um, or three and one, to the remainder of the season. But um, yeah, it's just one of those teams that is underperforming in the wins column, and it's usually a fact of. The coaching, in my opinion, I agree. I was talking to Downer, shout out Mike Downer about it. He didn't, he didn't really see it that way, but I was like, I think this is a McDermott problem. Uh, quickly, Lamar Jackson goes down. The Ravens continue to be the most injured team in the league. 
What are the Ravens' chances this year in the playoffs? I give them no chance to go anywhere. I think they're a one-and-done team. It's just too much injuries. It's It sucks, but it is something I said you got to be concerned about. I said Lamar would never win a Super Bowl because he's figured out and he's going to get hurt. And it seems to me like both of those things are coming true. Um, winner for me there, but I think they have no shot this year. Uh, Cam, what do you think of the Ravens' chances this year? Oh, they're not making the playoffs. No. Not they're even making, making it? Playoffs. No, we just talked about a lot of those, uh, all those AFC teams that are, you know, on the fence. No, they're not making the playoffs this year. They got too much going on injury-wise. Lamar's not 100%. I don't think he's going to give it 100% because he doesn't want future injuries. He's also got poopy um, pants. I think they hang it up one more loss, and, and they're going to just call it quits for the year and try again next year with a healthy team. They're not making the, super, they're not making the playoffs. I think Lamar needs to hire – a new dietitian because he has diarrhea far too often. He has missed so many practices with stomach issues, and he missed a game with it. So he needs to do something. Uh, Dill, what are you, Ravens' chances this year? I like what Cam said. Dude. That's that. Um, I agree with him. Um, there's too many teams that are on the rise in the AFC, and Ravens are a team on the down, and they're just going to get uh, passed. Um, which Trey, you call yourself a winner. Um, I'm sort of feeling like I'm leaning towards a winnerish scale here because I had a, a take at the beginning of the season, may even have been preseason, um, that I said Lamar was going to be considered a middle of the pack or less quarterback in the league at, at the end of this year. I remember that one. Um, I mean, he still is unbelievable in some games, but, you know, I don't know. He's not consistent. gets hurt. He's got a lot of diarrhea. It is what it is. <laughs> Bill's just looking for consistency out there. Tucker, Ravens chances. Um, yeah, I've actually come around to the last like week or, or the last few days. I was calling them a contender a few days ago. They're just too injured, man. This team is losing everyone, and they're in such a tough division and have like such a tough schedule just because they're in the AFC North and there's no easy games in the AFC North. There's no look aheads, you know. And I just I don't think they're built for the playoffs right now. Just with other teams getting healthier, like the uh, Browns, you got the Bengals looking good, the Steelers that can always just win a game here and there. I just I and such a tough division and such a tough AFC right now where everyone could make it. I just don't see them. I could see a world where they don't make the playoffs. Um, I'm not going to say they're not going to make it because I haven't looked at their schedule yet. Uh, but it's it's looking tough. I mean, oh, sh- the rest of their schedule is Packers, Bengals, Rams, Steelers. Oh, they're not making it. <laughs> That's off. That's off, man. Good but call, Cam. They're a game up in the division. They put that graphic up um, during the game on Sunday. And that was when I, that's when I made my decision. I think I texted you guys too. Maybe it was a different group chat, but that's, it's just too much. They're going to get beat down too. They're going to come after, all those teams are going to come after Lamar like that. So there's no shot. They might win one. Yeah, I'm I'm agreeing with you, Cam. I think they're not making it. Um, Let's talk about a team that is going to make it. The Chiefs, they are all the way back. I think they're the best team in the AFC right now. Uh, It pains me to say it. Um, they put a beat down on the Raiders. The Raiders have no shot against the Chiefs ever. Um, but 
I still don't think they're a complete team. I don't know how they'll do if they make it to the Super Bowl, but they're going to be a tough team. They're not a team that I want to go play a game in Arrowhead. I like, you know, I like a close matchup if the Patriots, you know, have home field and play them. But I, I wouldn't want to go to Arrowhead. Um, I think this team figured it out. The te- the NFL, like I said, should have finished them when they were when they were down. Couldn't get wins out of your team, the Giants, Cam. Thanks a lot. Um, but they are cruising right now. I think they are the best team in the AFC. Um, I really think the AFC is two teams right now, the Chiefs and the Patriots. And I think the Chiefs are more talented and the Patriots are, you know, more well coached, but not by a lot. I think Andy Reid's a great coach. So, uh, but Tucker, what are your thoughts on the Chiefs? The Chiefs are back, man. Um, and the scary thing is, you know what the best part of the Chiefs are right now? The defense, which is absolutely horrifying. They give up nine points and had five turnovers this week. Um, the defense was a huge problem the first few weeks, and the offense was clicking, and then the offense and defense both weren't clicking. Then the defense got it together. Now the offense and defense all have it together at once. It's scary. I mean, this was a team that was really good without a defense. Uh, and now they're just competing on both sides of the ball really well. And that's scary because you give an explosive offense like that, a defense that's holding people and getting turnovers, that's going to be tough to beat come playoff time. So I'm scared. I'm a little scared right now. Uh, Dale, your thoughts on the Chiefs? Dylan, you with us? So I'll go ahead. Okay. I think I think yeah, the the Chiefs and the Patriots are the only teams that have a chance in the AFC, in my personal opinion. Um, and they're one and two in defense right now. They're both the hottest teams in the AFC, if not the league. And um, I I would put a lot of money on it right now that they're going to be meeting in the AFC Championship, if possible. Um, if they don't meet before then, which I don't think they would. They're probably going to be one, two. But, um, yeah, the Chiefs, the Chiefs are hot. I'd put them slightly ahead of the Patriots just because they're they're similar. They're both very well coached, but it's Patrick Mahomes, and that's kind of the deciding factor for me. I agree. Uh, but, yeah, I, I mean, if you say there's anyone above the Patriots and the Chiefs in that AFC, you're just... Dill, your thoughts on the Chiefs? Um, I just think it's funny because maybe, what, seven, eight weeks ago, we were, I think, Trey, I think you were saying that they were done. Yeah, it was uh, it was more wishful thinking than anything. <laughs> um, and I, we did, uh, we did a, uh, a way too early playoff predictions, and I think Cam and I were the only ones to have the Chiefs in. Maybe, maybe, maybe it was just Trey. I didn't have him in. No, I don't I think Tuck, I don't know if Tucker, Tucker did either. Okay, maybe it was Tucker and I then. It, it doesn't matter. Uh, I just remember us feeling so, um, like we just we're not confident in him. But uh, yeah, definitely back for sure. I think the bigger bigger question: Who's third outside of Patriots and the Chiefs? Who's number three? Maybe the Titans. Um, I would put. I would say the Colts. Yeah, it depends. I think it depends on how Saturday's game goes, but they could be there. Have you guys been watching Hard Knocks at all? It's sick. In-season Hard Knocks is dope. I highly recommend it. I mean, it's a toss-up between Chargers, Titans, Colts, really. Um, I think the Chargers aren't. 
Colts aren't in that conversation for me yet. Um, I don't trust Carson Wentz. I think they're they're good all around. They've been playing well, but they they're just not in that conversation. I don't. I don't. I would put the Chargers then. I think. I don't think know if they're a top ten team. Derrick Henry's coming back too, so the Titans will be a little bit more of a force with Tannehill not having to try so yeah, hard and not succeed. Um, yeah, Titans and Chargers are probably the next two, and then the Bill. I mean, the Bills. They could do something. They're they're a good team. They proved it last year. They just got. I don't know what's going on with them right now. <clears throat> I think this game Saturday is huge in in figuring out who's real and who's not. If the Colts win this game, they are real for sure. If they don't, maybe not so much. Um, all right, finally. Well, they got, even if they play close, but go ahead. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't know. We'll see how it goes. Um, finally, Bryce Young wins the Heisman. Uh, didn't watch a second of it. Just saw it pop up on my phone. The only thing I found interesting is that he's the first quarterback from Alabama in this run to win it. I know there's been some guys nominated. Um, Mac most recently. That's kind of when I fell in love with him was during the Heisman ceremony last year, but... I mean, it's interesting that, you know, he's the one guy that could get it done. Uh, maybe he's going to be the best of the bunch. I don't know. Uh, Cam, what do you think? Yeah, we talked about it a little bit last episode where none of these guys were, like, super standout. They're definitely going to win or, um, I mean, I don't know. He's impressive, but Bama quarterbacks, I, I always say they're they're kind of a cheat code because – they have like two or three offensive line men projected to go right now, one receiver. So, I mean, hats off to him, props. But at the same time, nothing nothing crazy that I think he's going to be, you know, the next big thing in college or the NFL. Yeah, I, I, Dylan said it last week that he thinks it was a little bit of a down year for college football. I, I tend to agree. I don't think any of these guys are, are world beaters. Uh, what do you think, Dale, Bryce Young winning the Heisman? Um, I have no comment. I don't have, really have en- enough to know. Right. Um, yeah, that's it. Yeah, I don't really have much on it either. I wasn't really paying attention. Uh, Tucker, you got anything on it? You're muted. No, I do not. I re- I really just didn't watch that much. All right. What's amazing is that outside of Cam, I think I watched the, the second most college football this year. You probably did. I watched a decent amount, but yeah, you probably watched more. <laughs> I did not watch any at all. Because he had a bunch of random games. Yes. <laughs> Too much, not enough uh, coming back. Gambling has turned you into an expert, Dylan. All right. Look um, at me now. Holiday season. Christmas cookies are getting made. Per Linnea's request, the lovely Linnea, we are going to do cookies for list guys. Um, let's start it off with number five. Uh, t- uh, Tucker, why don't you leave it off? Shit. I only had four. Okay. Uh, uh, club crackers, number five. Club crackers. At number five, I'm throwing in club crackers. Don't care. It's not a cookie. It's still number five. It's the number. F- it's my top chip. It's my number five cookie. It's lower down on my cookie list because it's a little bit harder to sell it on the cookie. If you took a club cracker and put, like, chostic or chocolate, Chocolate icing and like peanut butter, peppermint crumble on it. I mean, I would, what makes I would a cookie a cookie? cookie. It's like, what makes it's like a cookie bark. a cookie? Like Christmas bark. You know what, Tuck? Make a Christmas bark white chocolate and I'll give it to you. I don't like chocolate. White chocolate. Don't like chocolate. Oh, never mind. It's not a cookie. Um, Cam, number five. 
Number five, I'm going with frosted sugar cookies. So these are the ones that as soon as you walk into the grocery store, they're always staring you down. The ones that you eat, if you eat more than two of them, you just have pain. They're so rich. They're so sugary. I can't eat more than two. When you're in the mood and you have the first one, you're like, oh, my God, that's so good. You get halfway through the second one and you feel like you have diabetes. Um, But... That first one is the one I'm talking about. Just one singular frosted sugar cookie. Wait, uh, Cam, are these the ones that are like soft sugar and then like a bunch of icing on top? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay, okay. Those are a year-round cookie for me, all occasions. Well, they have them on like the 4th of July oh, and is, stuff. This is my Christmas cookie list, is it? No, absolutely no. not. Oh, I thought it was. Oh, no. Oh, well, no, there's that's cookies. Well, a lot of Jingle Bells and Holly over here buying are all Christmas cookies. <laughs> Well, you're you're in season. My number five is actually going to be a, a different holiday type of cookie. Yeah, I don't even know how you come up with five different Christmas cookies. Um, uh, but I'm, I'm going with connoisseur. I'm going with the Pillsbury Halloween cookies. You know the ones that come in the tube that you cut up and they got like pumpkins on them or ghosts on them. Oh yeah. Um, they're a nice cookie. They're not very good, but I do like them. So uh, always have to have those around Halloween time with the little designs on them. You know, got to eat one raw when I'm cooking them. Just throw, pop it in the mouth. Um, but yeah, I'm going Pillsbury Halloween cookies, my number five. Dill, give us your fifth Christmas cookie. Now, I thought Cam was talking about those when he was talking about it until he said you can only eat two. And I was like, I, I eat the, all of them. I eat the, <laughs> the little ones that you're talking about, Trey. Um, get the ones with a little Christmas tree on them at Christmas time. Oh, fantastic. Um Number five for me, I'm going, this is Christmas list, at least for me, I'm going gingerbread. Gingerbread number five. Um, there's a little bit of a snap to a gingerbread cookie that I like. Not snap as in physical, snap as in taste. I like my gingerbread cookies a little bit soft, a little bit of uh, white icing on that. Um, but I only have it one time a year. It's Christmas time. Um, and I don't eat a lot of them because there's a lot better, but it's fantastic in the winter a little, little snack of a one gingerbread cookie can't not, eat more than one or else you throw up not a gingerbread guy at all tucker number four number four i got homemade sugar cookies um similar to trey popping a little bit while it's still raw some cookie dough is better than any cookie probably but uh yeah just a homemade sugar cookie always hits the spot Especially when you got it fresh and it's warm and soft. Oh, perfect. Okay, I'm four. Number four, I'm going with a Girl Scout cookie. Oh, it's I didn't even a think tag of that. Gonna have to change up the list, baby. Yeah, I am. Tag along is gonna be uh, my number four. It's the peanut butter. Uh, um, then it's got the crispy on the bottom and it's uh, chocolate coated. Uh, there's something about Girl, Girl Scout cookies. They're consistent. You get them to a good cause. And when you see them, you have to get them. Um, I only like two kinds of them. And Tag Longs is one of them. Put them in the freezer if you want. I'm not a big freezer guy myself, but they do melt quickly. So you kind of have to find that happy medium. But when you do find it, you're a happy guy. Uh, my number four is going to be M&M cookies. It's kind of like a... a hybrid chocolate chip cookie. Um, you know, you got that M&M crunch to it. You got the little shells that break off when you bite it. Um, love M&M cookies. 
we've talked on this podcast about snacks you have when you get out of the pool at like a pool party. M&M cookies, <laughs> is, M&M cookies. <laughs> is certainly one of them for me. Remember eating it at like Bosquet at the Eastover pool. Like M&M cookies was a pool, a pool food. And a handful of wet Doritos. Uh, and, yep, yep. And so M&M cookies, my number four. Dill. Uh, number four for me, I'm also going sugar cookie. Um, again, Christmas theme. Uh, they gotta have all sorts of shapes. I need, I need the trees. I need the candy canes. I need the snowmen, the angels, the stars. I need them all. I need them all with icing. I need them, uh, made from scratch. Uh, a little bit of nutmeg in there. Just a little bit, a little bit of flavor. Um, gotta be soft, but a nice sugar cookie, uh, Christmas time. Fantastic. Tucker, number three. Number three, I have oatmeal raisin cookies. What are you, Love 80 it. years old? No, great cookie. You're just wrong. You're incorrect. A homemade oatmeal raisin cookie is amazing. Clearly, Foul. you just haven't had a homemade cookie. It's a really good cookie. You know, I, I'm a non-chocolate guy, so my cookie types are limited. I definitely have tried more oatmeal raisin cookies than you, and I can... I promise you, a really good oatmeal raisin cookie is an amazing cookie. Cam, uh, give us your number three and make it actually something good. Number three is going to be good old-fashioned chocolate chip. Just a nice chocolate chip cookie. However, specifically, if you want to get specific, the best chocolate chip cookies are from Subway. That is a fact. If you've never had a Subway cookie when they're fresh out of the oven, they're still a little doughy. Not the crispy ones that have been sitting there for like a week. Those are not the ones you want. You want to pick the specific cookie. And there's always one. You can always see the one. And you got to point in that little glass case. And you got to make them move their hands around. No, not that one. Not that one. Um, There's a specific cookie. Next time you go to Subway, look for it. You'll see it. That's the one you want. That's number three on the list. My number three is going to be a tag along. Uh, It is the best. Girl Scout cookie. The only ones I like are Tagalons and then the shortbread ones. I forget what Dosi Do. No, not Dosi Dos. I forget what they're called. The shortbread ones. But I like the peanut butter Tagalongs. Um, hate, you know, people would always be like, oh, we got to get a box of Thin Mints. I'd be like, no, we're getting Tagalongs. All right. Thin Mints suck. Thin Mints suck. I don't like, I don't like mint in general. I don't eat like eating toothpaste. So uh, Tagalongs for me are number three. They do melt with the can. You're right. Sometimes you get your finger indentations on them if you hold them too tight. Um, but I like, you know, pop the whole thing in there, crush it. You can crush a whole box of these, uh, tag alongs by number three. Dill. The shortbread ones are called tray foils, by the way. Tray foils. Um, now, uh, number three for me, Christmas theme. Um, I'm going some freshly baked homemade biscotti. Oh, biscotti. Um, hey. When you get, when you get it fresh. And it's not like the ones that come in like a little sleeve at the grocery store, like a little like uh, a toothbrush pack. You know what I mean? Um, <laughs> it's nice. It's a little bit soft. You got some almonds in there, some walnuts, a little chocolate drizzle, white chocolate drizzle on top. Um, just perfect in the morning with your nice cup of joe. Um I've grown, as I've grown older, I've grown to like the biscotti, and it's bumped up to number three on my Christmas list. Very Italian of you, Dill. Uh, Tucker, number two. Snickerdoodles, let's go. Another great cookie. Trey's probably going to hate this one, I, too. Snickerdoodles are good. Classless. It's a good cookie. Um, Mr. Club Cracker. Take, 
It is the best ice cream sandwich cookie. I stand by it. Um, mm, never had it. Oh, delicious. Uh, just such a good cookie. I used to have them all the time as a kid. My cousin Lindsay used to always take one from me when we had it because I was a good cousin. Uh, but yeah, number two, Snickerdoodles. Uh, breaking news, Tucker. Your your brother's saying that your soup list is wrong. You only eat Campbell chicken and stars. That was not saw, on your list. Don't know where why you would say that. I haven't had that in probably ten years. <laughs> I used to get the chicken and stars as a kid. And I would get yeah. the biggest spoonful, and I would swallow everything whole. No chew. SpaghettiOs was a miss yeah, for me no last week. There's no chew. <laughs> SpaghettiOs a, no was a miss for me last week. But. Um, all right. Uh, Cam, number two. Number two, going with Oreos, double-stuffed Oreos. To be more specific, if you're a single Oreo guy, you're a serial killer. Um, double-stuffed Oreos, you dip into milk. On their own, they're fine, just a little bit dry. You dip it in some milk. Sometimes you drop it in the milk. You say, ah, it's all right. I got a little snack for later. Um, but double-stuffed Oreos, a little drizzle of milk. I hold it in there. I would say about six seconds. Six seconds is how long I, I hold it in there. Take a bite. I, I take a bite, and then I got a little bit left in my hand. You got to decide, oh, did I dip that part in milk too? I usually do. Uh, sometimes I get a little eager, and I'll just eat it without the milk. Uh, but double-stuffed, number two. Uh, my number two is going to be your good old fashioned chocolate chip. I am blessed with two grandmothers who both make an excellent chocolate chip <coughs> very differently. Um, my grandmother, my mother's side likes to make them, you know, a little softer, a little more round, smaller. My grandmother, my father's side makes them a little, you know, crispier, a little flatter. My aunt Paige also makes good cookies. If she remembers the flour, sometimes after a couple glasses of wine, she forgets to put flour in them. Uh, that doesn't go too well, but um shout out page no chocolate chips are the best cookie uh year round i think they are you know just a go-to whenever i go home i come back with a box of homemade chocolate chip cookies don't really love you know chips ahoy and stuff like that prefer homemade as i think most people would but chocolate chips my number two uh dill um cam i'm a single stuffed guy so watch out over the double stuff what's the point of liking the single over the double why not take more I like the chocolate better. Oh, all right. Go ahead. All right. Relax. Um, number two for me, I'm going a peanut butter bonbon. I'm counting it what? as a cookie. It's a Christmas cookie in my family. Um, you get peanut butter. You get a little bit of uh, butter. You mix it together. You throw in a shit ton of Rice Krispies. You ball it all up. Then you drizzle some chocolate on top. Let it harden up. You stick it in the fridge, um, and you got yourself a peanut butter bonbon. And by God, it's it like I'm a Reese's guy through and through, but these cookie things are better than a Reese's, and I'll eat a billion of them. Peanut butter bonbon, um, also called peanut butter ball, or um, a DRI because it reminds you of a deer's testicle, but that's a different point. Um, <laughs> Peanut butter bonbon, number two. Never had a bonbon in my life, I don't think. Uh, Tucker, number one. Number one should be obvious. It's my obvious. It's Trey's mom's Christmas cookie. No doubt about it. It's not a question. I eat that shit every single year when I had it. I used to eat all of them. I left no survivors. Uh, you know, people hated me sometimes. 
for eating all the Christmas cookies. But you know what? They were good. I got them once a year. I don't have any apologies. I haven't had them in years. Probably should get an apology for that. I'm a huge supporter. <laughs> uh, if she sold them commercially, I would single-handedly make her a millionaire. So, yeah, it's not a question. Send me the recipe, please. I won't actually make them because I can't bake for shit. But, yeah, easy number one. Uh, here, here, Tuck. Uh, Cam, number one. Well, definitely going to get in trouble for this one. Um, my number one is Thin Mints. Ugh. Now, you guys, <laughs> just relax. Not even a homemade cookie. Yeah, you guys got mad at me. They're homemade somewhere. Somebody made them. <laughs> That's uh, a good okay. point. It's a good point. Somebody, nobody lives in the whole, in the place where those are made. Some sort of insect, maybe. Some <laughs> for the, rat, the rats. The rats live there. Um, yeah, Thin Mints are the bomb. That's something. You put them in the freezer. <laughs> Can't wait that long with these because you want to eat 30 of them. Usually, I'm uh, buy the Thin Mints, eat a sleeve on the way home, um, and then stick the other part in the freezer, eat those about 20 minutes later. The thing is, Thin Mints, they give you like 50 in those boxes, whereas the Tag Long they give you like eight. Thin yeah. Mints, there are so many in there. I love mint. I don't think it's toothpaste at all. The, the texture is delicious. Um, the, I mean, they're like taglongs. They're a, they're a cookie that melts easily. Like I said, you got to freeze them up a little bit. But taste-wise and the amount that I can eat in one sitting, it's got to be my number one. The reason they put so many in the box is they can't give those things away. They're so bad. Um, number one for me, Tucker's right. It is Kathy McNinch's Christmas cookies. They are a sugar cookie. What she does to, to make these cookies, I don't even know. I've watched her make them. Shouldn't be that good of a cookie. And it is. The frosting's elite. The cookie's elite. We got the shapes. You know, we got reindeers, Santas, stars, bells, trees. And we frost them legit. Wreaths. Um, you know, we frost them legit. We make them colored how these things should be colored. It is a labor of love. Uh, Tucker is addicted to these like crack. Um, I remember making a batch with her, bringing it over to my family's... Uh, Christmas Eve celebration, and very excited to have one. Put put the plate down, came back, gone. Tucker ripped through it. Uh, I used to ask my mom to make extras for Tucker. I would bring them into school. It was like a crack deal for Tucker. He was amped up to get them, um, but they are the best cookie ever made. Secret recipe handed down on my mom's side. Can't get it out, um, but they are the best cookie. My mother's Christmas cookies, a sugar cookie, undefeated. Uh, Dale, number one. Um, so I'll have a few honorable mentions. Um, favorite, Jeez. uh, how could you come up with this many Christmas cookies? Well, because I thought we were doing Christmas cookies, so I made a list of five. Okay. Oh, okay. Um, I got, uh, no, honorable mentions are ones that I didn't put on the list that maybe would have, if I didn't, didn't do Christmas, there's a uh, Girl Scout cookie. The tree tray foils are my favorite. Thin mints are dead last. Yes. So they probably sell the most. Unlike what Trey just said. Um, then uh, the half moon cookies where you get like a black and white, like half of it is is chocolate, half of it's the icing. You know, you know the yin yang cookies. Uh, yeah, whatever you want to call them. Um, uh, I don't have to go much farther than that. Those are my two that probably would make the list. Um, my number one 
is a butterball Christmas cookie, the butterball. It's a little ball about twice the size of a quarter. It's like a mound. Oh, your um, mom, I've had these. These are good. Your mom made they, some for me once. My mom makes a mean butterball, I'll tell you. So there's, there's uh, walnuts in there and just a ton of powdered sugar on top. And it just tastes like a buttered dough, powdered sugar, goodness of slice of ball of heaven. Can't even describe the words. It's so fantastic. So uh, butterball, it's one. Um, it's probably my favorite cookie, regardless of Christmas. Um, so yeah, if you haven't tried them, uh, we, we'll get a Wasted Takes Christmas cookie platter. And we'll have a field day. Oh, yeah. That sounds elite. Um, by the way, Thin Mints are far and away the best-selling uh, Girl Scout cookie. So, American. Um, we used to be a country, a proper, a proper country. Um, what are the trefoils? Four. Uh, below uh, below the, uh, I think it's Samoa's number two, uh, Tagalong's number two. three, and then uh, trefoils. Tree, that's episode 102. Uh, check us out on our socials. Dylan, we got to figure out a punishment for you. Um, boys, I think this is the last episode of the season. Wasties next week. At least three of us are going to be home. Cam okay, might need to dial in for it. But um, yeah, so make sure to tune in for that. It'll be the second annual Wasties. We've got a lot of awards to give out. Taker of the year, take of the year, worst take of the year, best picture um maybe some others we we got to talk about it but uh make sure you check that out uh thanks for getting wasted with us and we will see you next week for the wasties so long wasties part two